Welcome, welcome, welcome to another fun-filled, action-packed episode of A&B Sports Media, the podcast. My name's AJ. And I'm Bill. Welcome back, everybody. This is a so little, little fun fact. Um, since this is only two-man team, the video is actually going to go out the same time this audio goes out. And hopefully I get this video out where, before next week. So yeah, um, pretty busy week last week, went to the Phillies game and then all hope our reunion. So couldn't really get to the video uh, in a good amount of time. But we have a fun one for you guys this week. Uh, Bill, why don't you start us off? Um, OK, yeah, we're going to start off with today in sports history. This is going to be based off October 10th. I got a sad one right away. Oh, no. Um in 1892, the entire Hong Kong national cricket team dies in a shipwreck right off of Taiwan. Yeah, we're going right <laughs> into the deep end because <laughs> it was the first one I saw. I love going for the 1800s. So when I saw that, I was like, uh, she. I was having a good day. Not anymore, but we're going to turn it around, <laughs> though. To 1899, to the African-American inventor Isaac R. Johnson. He patents a bicycle frame and then god help us the tour de france comes on after that um and then we're gonna go with the last one um ah in 1920 cleveland indians outfielder elmer smith hits baseball's first ever world series grand slam and teammate bill wamnas makes the first unassisted World Series triple play in Game 5. Mom's games. I I didn't – there's letters in there that no, I wasn't that's, aware that's, of. That's a reference to – if anyone oh. understands it, you'll, you'll understand it. I gotcha. But that is our day in sports history. Uh, we're going to start with the end of that. Um, well, higher note with the triple play and the Grand Slam. <laughs> And talk, go right into the dugout, back to our cars, and then start racing down 95 as fast as we can. Because okay. we had Formula One this weekend with the Qatar Grand Prix. I'm getting good at these transitions. I'm proud of myself. That was a uh, very good one. That is a very good took one. took me a second. It took me a second. <laughs> but um, are we shocked? No. Max Verstappen is has won the race again. He is also, as I think I said last week, he is officially now the driver's champion of 2023. There are no more possible points for any other driver to catch up. So Max Verstappen is now your 2023 driver's champion. Um, I will say I got to give credit, though, to Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris for getting P2 and P3. Piastri, this is his uh, like debut season. So... Good for him to even get P2. That's huge for them. And, of course, McLaren getting the double points. That's honestly something huge that really does put them in contention for the Constructors' Championship. Not for first place, because we already know Red Bull yeah. is pretty much taking it. But it does help them set up for their um, the Constructors' standings, which right now it's getting close. Red Bull, obviously, way too far ahead. 657 points just now. <laughs> Mercedes has 326. For, uh, and then Ferrari is close behind at 298. So they're still battling for second and third. The big part now is fourth. Aston Martin and McLaren. Aston Martin has 230. McLaren has 219. And every time you win a race, you're getting a shit ton of points or, or the top three pole or top five. You're getting more than 10 points. There we go. So the thing is, the only person on Aston Martin's side that's even getting remotely any of those points is Fernando Alonso. Again, he's the only guy carrying an entire uh team on its back it's insane and it's just not fair to him he could be doing so much more he could be but we're gonna pull into the That's pit the stop his uh we're gonna pull into the pit stop we're gonna get out of the car we're gonna walk away very confused for a minute and then we're gonna go from one grandstand to another and watch the union play because the union right now has been on a roll too not a bad segue 
Um, the first they, one was better. The first one was better. I was trying my best. I was like, ah, this is tougher. But yeah. we did win again on October 4th against Atlanta United, 3-2. to two, And then we will be playing again. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And then we did tie on Saturday, the 7th, against Nashville, 0-0. Zero to zero. Our next game, and I'm not sure why there's such – I guess we have a bye week – will be the 21st. So that will be next Saturday. And that will be the last regular season game for the um for the MLS. With that being said, we are currently tied in third. Or no, we are in third. I'm sorry. Um C- Cincinnati's taking it all the way. They have 68 points unless we, you know, get like 13 goals, I don't know, and kill it. That's one thing. Orlando City has 60. Doable. But again, we only have one game to make a change like that. I don't know. We have 55 at third. Columbus is at 54. Mm-hmm. And then New England's at 52. We will be playing New England on that last game. So it's either we do really well or we really don't. But no matter what, we are going to be in the final series. I just don't know how the bracket's going to fully work yet. That's yeah. something new I have to look into. But I won't be really doing that until next week when we get closer to a uh, more finished out uh, like schedule and rankings. I know so, that there was uh, there was some um, not controversy, but some upset that uh, Miami and Messi aren't going to be there, mm-hmm. and everyone was, was complaining that like this is a huge mis- misstep for like MLS and stuff like that because. Now you're not going to have a whole new uh, influx of people watching the playoffs and everything. But then there was another side that was saying like, well, realistically, this is still fair to the people that were here beforehand. Like, yeah, it's cool to get the influx of new people. But at the same time, now the people that were here beforehand and who genuinely enjoyed the sport without Messi now get to see some really good competition, not just Miami because Messi's in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was an interesting, interesting dialogue. It is. Um, sadly, actually, wait a minute. Where is it at? Yeah, sadly, when it comes to Miami, too, though, even though Messi's in there, he they're second to last now. They only have 33 points. Yeah. Like, there's unfortunately no way for them, really, unless DC sucks a lot and they have 40 points. Montreal has 41, and Miami scores, like, eight goals on their next game or two i don't know how many games they have left if it's one or two they have two more games so they could technically yeah but but you would you need to carry like no other and i don't think Messi could hold that weight i would love to be proven wrong i think that would be a great story in uh miami's dead last they get Messi, they get into the playoffs and then they can win it yeah it could happen it could but you never know yeah. Um I mean, they won the league's cup. That's huge. So Yeah, that that's that's big enough publicity, I think. That it, it really is. Messi's first year. Exactly. So, we're going to um from here though, we're going to get into the locker room. We're going to take a quick shower, rinse off, and then we're going to get start get our hockey pads on because the regular season starts in 2 days. We have the Flyers coming back finally. And just to go overall with their preseason adventure, they actually won the last two preseason games. I was going to say, keep going. Against the Bruins and the Islanders, and pretty well. Three to one and then five to two. For preseason itself, I'm sorry. Let me speak. Uh, this is the first preseason they've actually looked good in a while. Like, and like hopefully relatively we good. I mean, realistically, this I don't I don't have too much uh, hopes for the season. But right now, I just want to see like some of the young guys develop into like people right. that they need to be and Konecki to take that next step because yeah. he's always looked good. But I think just because of everything that's been happening with the Flyers organization, I mm-hmm. think that he's he's been hindered a little bit from taking that like big step to becoming like that elite uh forward but i think yeah. now that this year might be his his opportunity to to grow into that so we'll we'll see what happens with him fair enough but yeah just record wise regarding preseason they were three and three unfortunately when it comes to the first game on thursday against the blue jackets at seven o'clock we're probably not going to be watching it no i mean 
We would like to, but we're probably not. We have mm. other pressing matters that we'll get to later. No, of course but, not. But um, from one slap shot off the goalpost, it's now flying up, and it goes, makes a three. The NBA preseason is going to be starting soon as well. It is going to be starting today at 730 but mm-hmm. I don't know if the Sixers are actually starting. Uh, let's um, see. Their I don't preseason know. actually started already on the yeah. 8th. I was about to say because I was seeing um, a few videos of like them actually playing defense, and it looked yeah. really good. Like this, yeah. this does not look like a Doc Rivers team at mm-hmm. all. Like Nurse actually has them yeah. like doing formations and shit. So keep in mind, compared to hockey, uh, basketball only has, from what I'm understanding, four preseason games they're playing two against the celtics they lost the first one they're playing the other one tomorrow mm-hmm. um which again won't be watched sorry actually technically it could be because the game's at five right uh six six never mind yeah. we'll catch the second half we'll catch the second half yeah so keep an eye on that and then you have the nets and then the hawks and then our first game is against the bucks on the 26th i am excited gosh. though for i know I am excited for the season to start for the Sixers. We're going to see how everything's going to turn out with all the wild, crazy shit that's been happening in the background with Harden um, and just see what's going to happen with us. I don't know what to expect. I don't have good yeah, or no. bad thoughts either. We'll just see. Um, and now that speaking of Harden, who's getting, you know, antsy with everybody, it's, you know, causing a ruckus. And next thing you know, there's a fist thrown. We're getting right into UFC. <laughs> eh, that was close enough. Do you want me to bring up the card? Uh, bring up the card. It'll be nice. Um, because there was a lot of upsets um, last weekend. I didn't talk much about this card, honestly. I know I didn't um, focus heavily. There was a lot that, a lot of unranked fighters that were coming in. But um, this actually turned out to be a very entertaining card to watch. Um, I will say the performances of the night were well deserved. Nate Maness and Matez Madonica, I think that's it. Mateus, Mateus. Where, where are they at in the? They're prelims? under prelims. Oh, that was a beautiful first round knockout at four minutes and forty seconds. So props to Nate for getting that. Yeah. Wrong way. Don't worry about. Um, we're not going to get to the highlights right now, just because I, I just realized as we were talking about, like highlights may be a copyright issue. That's a very good point. So leave this, but we can't well, do the rest. No, if we go in, like as long as we don't show any videos, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, like you can look it up yourself, but you can't. We're see it. figuring it out as we go. We do, we do. Um, moving on up, though, we're just gonna go over like the big ones that happened. My man with the chin, Drew Dauber, knocked the ever living fuck out of Ricky Glenn. I'm very happy that he won, and I was just overall very proud of him finally getting another win on his belt. He is on that edge of top 15 of the UFC rankings. I'm hoping another win after this, he will then fight for the top 15 again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Technically he could do something weird, which I'll explain in a minute, but moving on up, Joaquin Buckley in the next fight up did a fantastic job for three rounds of fighting 77 total strikes, two takedowns, 68 significant strikes, had all of the uh, pressure on him. Just overall, good job for Joaquin Buckley. Very good job. Um, Joe Pfeiffer versus Abdul Razak Alazan. I somehow said that one right perfectly. Yeah, what the hell? Um, He had a very nice submission in the second round at two minutes and uh, five seconds. He was dominating the fight completely. Didn't even really strike too much. Only 26 strikes, but he had three takedowns of two sub attempts. He had 26 significant strikes, so every shot he made mattered. But yeah, props to Joe Piper. Um, the last fight, the main event, I was shocked. Flabbergasted. Snickerdoodled. <laughs> so this was only 33 seconds long. Bobby oh. Green still got the hands. He wow. knocked out Grant Dawson, and I I watched it over a couple times just to see, like, how it went. It looked like a weird cross out of nowhere, and it just dropped Grant. Bobby just came on top and whooped his ass. Now, the Gosh. thing is, from here, what the fuck do you do with Bobby now? 
Bobby now just beat a um I know what they did finally. They just beat the ranked 10 fighter in the UFC. So they final what they did and I just pulled up the rankings itself. They still need to fix something, but when it comes to the lightweight division, they dropped Grant Dawson all the way down to 15th, which is perfect because I know what to do now. Bobby Green has been ranked up to 13th. And they moved up Renato Marciano, which is a great fighter. Jalen Turner, also a great fighter. Um, and number 10, Rafael Dos Anjos, which should not really be on the lightweight rankings anymore. He has refused, not refused. He has basically retired from the lightweight division and is now only focused on welterweight fights. Um, just because it's hard to make that cut and he's getting older. He was a former champion. Like I still give him all the credit. I think they keep him in the ranking so it can justify having him fight other ranked fighters in a higher weight class. I think that's the only reason why he's still ranked 10. It doesn't make sense to me keeping him there, but in order, I guess for that star power, they do that instead. So what's going to happen with Bobby Green now? Honestly, I would like to see Bobby Green either fight Renato or if they want to go higher up, have him fight Dan Hooker. I think that would be a fantastic fight. I think it would be a absolute war of them beating the ever-living shit out of each other. Yeah. And we're going to see hopefully more of Bobby Green doing some of his modified Philly shell. Very excited to see what happens with Bobby Green. I know he's a little bit older, but the man's ranked again. He's ready to go. Yeah. Now, the other thing that you can do now, because this has happened, you could technically do Bobby Green versus Drew Dauber too. Because hmm. they have fought before, and Drew knocked the ever-living shit out of Bobby's chin. He, he just made him collapse. So there is even that option as well. However, if that doesn't, you don't want to do that, but you want to have, because Drew just won another fight in the lightweight division, have him fight Grant Dawson. Have him go back for that 15th rank, get that, and then work from there. I think that would be his best bet. Okay, so that was last week. So now we have this weekend's fight night. So again, these are just fight nights that are going on. Um, Sadiq Youssef versus Edson Barbosa. This will be at the UFC Apex on October 14th, this Saturday, at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Now, on this card, at least there is more ranked fighters that we do have, but it's still more of the lower ranked fighters. It's not many people that we know as well, as much. I know there's more, like even Chris Gutierrez, he's not even where you're at, AJ. He's literally the second fight of the, of the prelim. And he's oh, a wow. ranked 15 fighter and he's down there. So as you could tell, this whole card is kind of just like getting people in as they can. But I'm only going to really focus on the top four. Um, and the reason why I'm focusing on Andre Protoski is because I know he trains with a gym in Audubon. Um, so I, was, I remember one of my friends posted all about it. Um, and this, the other guy, Michael Pereira, is also, um, actually Michael Pereira is in hot water, if I remember correctly. He was supposed to fight, um, yeah, I think he was supposed to fight uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And he couldn't make the weight. So I know he was under hot. Yep. He's under hot water about that. So hopefully he makes the weight. He's currently 28, 11 and no contest, zero, no contest five fight win streak. Cause technically it never happens. So it's still a five fight win streak. Um, 10 wins by knockout, 10, seven by sub overall. He's a great fighter. He's actually very flashy too. I like it. That's why okay. we were very excited to have him fight against wonder boy Thompson. Um, Andre is also a very good fighter. He's currently 10-2, four wins by knockout, four by sub, four first-round finishes. This will be a test on how he can do. Uh, he does have good striking, good takedown accuracy, 71% takedown def defense. Uh, when it comes to the odds, he's only plus 105. I could see it working out in his favor. I could take the money line for that. I wouldn't know which way it would be by finish. 
If it's Pereira, I would do a finish by knockout, though. Um, Ooh, I pressed the wrong button. Now nah, you're good. It doesn't have any odds. I had I opened it up too. That Besides, is so sad. Again, it's only Tuesday. That is true. Um, moving on to the bantamweight, Jonathan Martinez versus Adrian Yanez. Bantamweight division's always stacked, and it's always an interesting fights to have. Um, Jonathan Martinez is 18 and four. Adrian Yanez is 16 and four. Yanez is coming off a loss. Um, Martinez is currently on a five fight win streak, eight wins by knockout, two by sub. So he does have those hands. Um, and he did even beat, which is a huge name, uh, Syed Norma, uh, Nurmagomedov. He's one of, he's basically related to like Khabib and all them. He may actually not be. Oh, they all have the same last name. It gets me confused, but that's a huge one. He beat Cub Swanson. He's, What's it called? He's on his way up. Hence why he will now be fighting against um, Adrian Yanez. Actually, this is a fight down for him. So this is a big test for him to make sure he can keep that spot. Adrian Yanez is currently 16 and four, 10 wins by knockout, two by sub and six first round finishes. So he is no slouch either. Um, He just lost recently to Rob Front via KO. But that doesn't mean it's anything different. Honestly, one or the other is going to knock each other out. I just don't know who. Um, if I had the full odds, they're both um, favored at minus 112 for Martinez, 108 for minus 108 for Yanez. This one's one of those ones where you got to take a, you're going to flip a coin if you're going to make the bet. True. Yep. I have a and question I, for you. I have a question for ahead. you. So. Obviously, these is eighteen and four, sixteen and four. So they're pretty, they're they're relatively they're seasoned, decent. yeah, yeah. They're good records, and they're not um, ranked. Is that an uh, is that indicative of the ranking system, or is that so? Just click out of the thing. Of them? Just click out of the uh, thing real quick. You'll see something. They, they are, are ranked. ranked. So oh, it's good. it's the for our viewers. That's why I had well, you do that. So then that's that's why I'll go to Pereira and uh, Petrovsky. So Petrovsky's. 10 and 2, so it's not two season, but Pereira, is it because he's in hot water where he's not, um, you know? It's a mix of that. It definitely could be a part of that. When it comes to fights being made by the UFC, sometimes it's literally just based on skill, based on what they're going to, like how they want to keep a fighter rising up the ranks. Honestly, a great example of that is Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira is the is now fighting for the lightweight or sorry light heavyweight belt in the UFC and he has only had a total of four fights or sorry five fights in the UFC entirely his record when he started is i think 5 and uh what's it called um 5 and 1 by then yeah cuz by the time he got into the UFC i'm sorry it was even shorter but when he got into the UFC, he was 4-3-1. and one. He won his first fight in November of 2021, and then, as we know, he went up. It really depends on who the person is, what their star power really can be. Pereira had that whole line regarding Izzy beating him in kickboxing and, get, and getting that stardom. In his case, when it comes to Andre Petrosky and Pereira, I think it really just depends on who they want to win because when it you're in these lower and you're out of the division or out of the rankings it's harder to determine who is technically 16th 17th whatever there's rankings they internally probably have that we'll never know about but they will um make sure like whoever keeps winning they're going to keep going until they get into rank into ranked matches so this may be like if they if Pereira wins, maybe it puts him back in their good graces and he fights again for a rank spot. So we'll see. I don't have the exact answer. I'm sorry, but that that's my only thoughts on it. It right. really just depends on what they're thinking and I can't read their minds. True. Yeah. We're going to go right to the uh, main event too. Um, we're okay. going to go right to Sadiq Youssef versus Edson Barbosa. Um, this is a featherweight bout, ranked 11 versus ranked 13. Um, Sadiq is currently 13 and two. Edson Barbosa is 23 and 11. I've actually seen Edson Barbosa fight before, so that was pretty cool. 
Um, he has 14 wins by knockout, eight first round finishes. He is honestly a hell of a striker. He has a shit ton of miles on him, though. I know that. Um, but he, if he's in the zone, he's just, his striking is unparalleled. It's scary how good he is. And it's, it was, it's amazing to see when he, when he's on, he's online. So hopefully he has that and he can take the win, but I'm not gonna, what's it called? Disrespect Sadiq either. Sadiq is also coming off a win. He's currently... 13 and two, as I said, six wins by knockout, five first round finishes. Um, definitely wins more via decision, but that's not a bad thing. That means he knows how to control his um, t- his range, his timing, his cardio. He's able to hold out. And this is going to be five rounds, too. This isn't going to be f- uh, 15 minutes. It's 25. So he has to have that extra 10 minutes of gas. And he's been in these types of fights before. So we'll see what happens. Um, Honestly, Barbosa's plus one forty. I would take that. Really? I would take the yeah. I would take the one plus one forty. Yeah, what? Because he's he's, he's, he's older got, too. He got true. miles on him. He got miles on him, but it's worth the odds. That's true. But this man's got a four inch over, like reach over him. He's also a seasoned vet that knows how to go the mileage. So like he does. You're right. If he, if he wasn't, but he's also been guy. knocked out too. Like I said, like I'm going back to 2019 for this because I saw it live. But I watched the man absolutely get knocked out cold against Justin Gaethje in March 30th of 2019. Fantastic fight. Fantastic card to be at because it was in Philadelphia, which the UFC has not been back to since. Fuckers. They need to. Mm-hmm. They really do. Just make it a fight night. Honest to God, make it a fight night and I'll be fine. Because I don't want to spend... Not just UFC, but WNBA needs a, uh, a Philly team. Philadelphia like, team. I agree. The win. I agree. That would be nice to have um, as well. But otherwise, that's all I have on UFC currently. The next big event would be um, the following week against Olivier Makachev 2. That's October 21st. When we get around to next week, uh, uh, next week, I will go through that one heavily because that card is very stacked. And I probably, and I'm warning you now, AJ, I'll probably go through a lot of people on that card. Okay. Yeah, so I'm warning uh, you now. That'll be, that'll be a fun card then. Yeah, there's a lot of people on that card. All right. Well, on that note, we're going we're gonna to take our way to the parking lot, park our asses in our cars, drive all the way over to Citizens Bank Park and talk about what an absolute shit show that was last night. Uh, so... Do I, I, as you can tell, I have a lot of things in my head right now, um, and I wrote some down, so audio viewers, if uh, you you hear me just kind of like rambling a little bit, it's because I'm reading and getting pissed off again. Um, well, let's start with the, the highlights of the Phillies game, though, at least. Uh, Wheeler absolutely dominated. He pitched uh, 6.1 uh, innings, through three hits, two earned runs with 10 Ks. This man was dominating early on uh, before the sixth inning. Uh, kind of started losing a little gas. I think that was just because um, naturally we had, I think, uh, we had nine hits. Mm-hmm. And it was long innings for us. Like, we, we took out Freed. There was a few other relievers that we kind of went through. There was a lot of quality at bats. Um, for those who don't know, quality at bats are uh, five or more pitches in an at bat. So if you get the three two, that's a quality at bat. Um so Wheeler kind of sat around for a little bit. Obviously, he was he was dominating. He didn't really have that many pitches going into the sixth inning, um, but then he kind of fell off a little bit. He uh, he took the blame for the game, saying that he he let them back in, let them get the momentum, but it it wasn't really his fault. Like, no, realistically, he, should we have Say not it. let him? Should we have not let him? Uh, you know, come back in? Yes. But the way that he was pitching, I kind of wanted him to see it through. Um, yeah. Realistically, the home run that he let up to, like that was that was a poke. Like there, it was one mm-hmm. of those, or not? No, not that one. Sorry, I, I forgive me. The home run he gave up, he he only hung one sweeper all game, and it was that sweeper just happened to be it. Fun fact: I, this is definitely a conspiracy, and I don't really believe it because it's baseball. But 
on both home runs, on both sliding pitches, you hear a whistle. You hear, I'm not going to do it to blow out your ears, but there was a whistle indicating that the Braves kind of knew what was coming. I don't think that – if there was that, they just picked up on uh, the signals. That's what you do as a ball player. You try to fig- figure out um, figure out the signals that they're getting. Uh, we did that a lot in high school throughout college as part of the game um, to kind of very, very um, briefly to kind of gloss over this real quick. The reason the Astros did is because they were stealing and they were doing a whole, mm-hmm. whole sorts of different things instead of just like giving like a whistle or picking them up during the game. Um, but I thought that was a little, little interesting. It didn't, hasn't really gotten traction. We'll see if that goes somewhere else. But yeah, he, he hung a sweeper uh, literally right down the middle. Guy took it deep um, and then pretty much took him out after that. Then um, Alvarado came in, did really well uh, in the relief. He got out of it. He was looking a little shaky at first. I think the only difference I'm seeing from him from this season, or excuse me, this playoffs, the last playoffs, was he's a little more um, sporadic. He's not controlling well, and I think they'll just come with a little bit more time because he was kind of coming off of injury late in the season going into playoffs. Um, but what, some things that I were noticing about the Braves game was that Wheeler and the Phillies figured out that with the Braves, they chase high. That man, every almost I, – I, I don't know the exact statistic, but if it anecdotally, it felt like eight out of the ten strikeouts was a fastball high or a or nasty sweeper. He was – for most of the game, he was on point. He had one yeah. sweeper that, like, it was in the uh, left header – left left-handed batter's box, got or right-handed batter's box, guys, guys a lefty, sweeped five feet pretty much right into the zone. It was like the perfect pitch a pitcher could ever throw to get a strike. It was crazy. But a lot of the a lot of them, they were chasing high, and that's I, – I, I keep reiterating this fact because this is going to come up later down the line. You get them out on a fastball high, and they would always chase, always. Acuna – uh, Albiez, Riley, like everyone was chasing that high fastball, which pisses me off very yeah. much because of Hoffman, the pitcher, mm-hmm. the relief pitcher that came in after Alvarado. And I went through all every single one of my group chats. I went in and you, said the you, exact same he thing. He was losing his absolute shit. So he apparently he came in last game, got the save or or helped set up a, a little bit after uh uh, Suarez, and he did fine. I get that, but this man hasn't been in this situation majority of the time of the seasons. You have Alvarado just used, so I get it. Don't use him, but you have Dominguez, you have uh, Carrican, you have um, even if you want don't want to use him as a closer, you have Kimbrel. Like you have these pitchers that you know are good. I know that you're trying to save them, but Hoffman isn't it. And nope. here's here's my case for it. First pitch hits hits Acuna. Very first pitch, as soon as he came to the game, first pitch is Acuna. Obviously, you're not going to take him out. That's not what you do with baseball, but immediately red flags. Because at this point, it's, uh, what is it, 4-2? I think it's 4-2 at this point. Yeah, because we we let up two uh, earned runs off the one home run. Uh 4-2 at this point. Acuna goes to first. Ozzy Alvarez is coming up to him. So, first of all, Acuna is the last person on the Braves team I want on the base, bases. He is a stud-based runner. That man has a tremendous speed. It's crazy. Albias, after a four-pitch at bat, gets a hit. He throw it in. Acuna goes to third. They throw it in. Trey Turner, for some fucking reason, tries to backhand it and shoots it up five feet in the air. Acuna, being the good base runner he is, scores a home. So, already, Turner's fucked up twice in this game, and Hoffman's not doing fantastic at all. Next at bat, I am screaming. My, I'm sitting with my grandfather watching this game. I am screaming, Hoffman, throw it high. Fastball high. Please, for the love of God, throw it high. In the, the pet, With Raleigh's at bat, Albiez's at bat, and Acuna's at bat, he threw two pitches high. You go through this whole game. Wheeler is killing them with a high fastball. And you only throw two pitches high, Hoffman, meaning he couldn't hit a spot, which he didn't. He couldn't hit it for the life of him. And two, this man's – I actually – I kind of am curious, too, if J, JT – no, JT actually did call high pitches. I remember 
because I was like, oh look, thank God they're listening to me. And Hoffman missed. <laughs> if this is the if this is the top of the zone and this is the bottom of the zone, Hoffman or JT called it here. Hoffman yeah. threw it here. Yeah. Off screen. Okay, I'm already pissed off. Slider goes in. It's a low slider. And granted to Riley, this was a poke. It wasn't like a, he got all of it. This man literally threw the bat out, hit it perfectly, and that thing went. But motherfucker, throw it high. It is, yeah. it is, you, it is a tri-tested two, true for seven innings. That's all you have to do is throw it high, and you're going to get them out. Yep. It was, I believe at this point, it was a 3-2 count, or two, at least a 2-2 count. Like, you had him. That was it. That's all you had about to Riley, do. right? The Riley Yeah, bat. Riley, because that was Riley, two It was a 3-2 count, if I remember. Yeah, three. I don't yeah. know. Actually, no, it wasn't. I don't know if it was two outs, but it was. That's someone no, that you. it was two put, outs. It was two outs. It was two outs. It was a 3-2 count. You, I'm looking it up. You get out. You win. You, you, yeah. You're going into the, the top of the ninth, and you're looking pretty freaking good. Yeah. But I hate to say it when I was watching the game and I saw what like it was bottom of the eighth. There was the man on third and it was two outs. And I was like, this dude's and three. I'm like, fuck, he is due. He has the star power to go. Just, yeah. Like he doesn't even. But I'm like, motherfucker, like this guy is going to do it. And I just knew not trying to bring that energy into the universe. I'm like, come on, hop and do it right. Which he didn't, and Kaufman mm-hmm. uh, lost the game. So as much as I I, I want to rag on him, because he was a big proponent to why we lost this game, especially in the eighth inning, he wasn't the only reason, and I won't I fully blame this on him. But 60%. as a as a ball player, I knew as soon as Acuna scored, I knew right then and there the game was over. Specifically because as a ball player. You can just feel the momentum going in a very yep, specific Yep, the momentum shifted And hard. if your if your pitcher is not hitting his spots at all, like it's you're immediately in you're you're losing because like the, yep. they literally let the the a sleeping giant wake up. Yeah. But thankfully, we're going into Citizens Bank Park where next uh, two games. Spencer Strider hates fans, and guess who has the best fans in the world, baby? Yes, we will um, be yelling. Spencer sucks. But kind of going Ooh. off of that same. Um, same vein of it wasn't just Hoffman's fault, even though I was so fucking livid. Phillies had nine hits and they left eleven runners on base. Eleven. It was a five to four game, and you left eleven runners on base. That's ridiculous. That needs to get cleaned up. The Phillies' last run was in the fifth inning. No. The Braves scored sixth, seventh, eighth inning in in succession, and they won the game. Um, and honestly, it's not that we lost because you're going into the Braves who are, have the literal best record in baseball right now. Yeah. It's how we lost. And it's just, you had that game. You were, you were in the driver's seat. Everyone expected you to win that game. And then you just let it up off of a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Um, it just that just it, it it's one of those ones where it's like if we lost if it was a close game and we lost that it wouldn't hurt as much like not nearly as much knowing that you could have had that game and you lost it that way you know what i mean yeah um but i actually have let me see if i can find my tweet and i'll i'll bring it up my tweet's actually getting a lot of likes oh hello that's not it um it's not on the a and b sports media but i'll bring that up because i need you guys to take a gander uh go live so it was actually castellanos and i'll you probably can see it but what he says was um they got the guys asking hey like does this does this loss sort of linger a little bit like is does that hurt or stuff like that and castellanos but says we thrive after we get hit in the face and my exact reaction was i never went from from completely livid to bring on game three so quickly in my life go fightings and I'm not joking. I I'm I was I read that tweet and immediately had a smile. I was like, all right, we're good. Like, and that's that's kind of what I love about this Phillies team is that they constantly they're just a, a bunch of weird dudes who love each other, trying to win games. And when adversity hits you, especially like Cassianos said exactly what everyone needed to hear. When we get punched in the face, we thrive. And I'm already pumped up for game three. 
and he Cassianos was two feet away, Bill, from yeah. uh, from tying the game, like two feet away. Any other player in center field does not make that play, and that the hats off to him made a heck of a play, but two feet away from tying that game. And I know Harper was getting a lot of shit for you know his base running, but I understand what he was trying to do. Like that's a hard hit ball to deep deep center right field. And he literally had to take a hell of a play for him to catch it. And Harper's thought process was, well, that's deep and it's going to drop. Let me get, let me get a head start around second. And he would have scored. Like if that guy missed it and somehow immediately picked it up and threw it in Harper scores, that game's tied. Castellanos is on second. Like that's a whole different ball game. But so I know shitty college baseball running right there, but at the same time, I understand the thought process and I kind of would do that again. Uh, Because, again, nine times out of ten, that man, who is a fantastic ball player, but that's a hard catch to make, and nine times out of ten, I don't think he's making that again. No, that catch was – when I saw – when that's how the game ended, I was honestly – Fuck, mm-hmm. that was good. Like, mm-hmm. you you can't, as a Phillies fan, you can't. You're mad, but you're not mad at the play. You're Ex- mad at the loss. You're mad at everything that got you to this point. Yes, because that entire sequence from the catch to the throw to the final out, I was like, I'm not even mad at them. They did that <laughs> proper. That happened. I was like, that's a, a proper way for Philly to lose. That. That's a Philly loss yes. right there. Holy shit. Um, but yeah, I need we need the bats whenever someone's in scoring position on the ground and play. That's the best you can like realistically the best you could do is home run. But realistically, as a hitter, you're not looking for a home run. Like home runs just happen. All right. All you want to do is put either a line drive or on the ground and play, let them make the mistakes, um, and just see what happens. And I think they need to do that because there was too many pop-ups, too many K's. Um, I need Bryson Stott. Even after his home run, he looks like he's not fully confident. I need him to get back into his bank, start hearing everyone ch- uh, singing his song, which is that 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 alone's an experience. I think everyone needs yeah. to experience too. Um, but Nola pitches uh, game three Wednesday. The Braves they know who's pitching. They won't tell us. They won't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. They won't announce it until the game, like the day of. Uh, so they're trying to be secretive. Ooh. But we know who's pitching game four. It's Spencer Strider, who hates fans. Good. And we're all excited for that. So we need a win so then we can just be like, all right, Spencer sucks chance the entire time he's pitching. Like, if they they come out like they did uh, yesterday, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, they win. I 100% believe they win. Yeah. Just because how rambunctious Philly is, like, that's Mm -hmm. that's – they they know they experienced it last year, and Spencer Strider hates fans. So you win game three, go into game four as Spencer Strider, and then just life is hunky dory. They're still they're going to fight their ass off, but I think if that game happened in Bank Park, whole different vibe. I think they pushed through and win that. But let's let's hop out of Bank Park and go right to the link to talk about some of the Eagles that we had uh, had this Sunday. Oh, yeah. Um, the Eagles had a played a pretty good all around game. They did, opinion. yes. Um, Hertz went twenty five uh, for thirty eight with three hundred and three uh, yards, one touchdown. He did throw an interception. Um, I understand. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Fifteen carries, seventy two yards, and a touchdown. So he was having a really good game. Uh, AJ Brown, who's having an, a historic season so far. So far, he, so good. He went six for eight, uh, 127 yards. He is in the past three games. He is now 24 receptions off of 35 uh, targets, 433 yards, and two touchdowns in three games, which is Damn. absurd. Yeah. He's actually on pace for uh, 1,839 yards receiving for career. This, the Eagles record is uh, 1,496. And can you tell me who holds that? For receiving yards in a single season. I don't know. It's AJ Brown last year. <laughs> so he's he's actually playing better this year, which he's, is crazy. Yeah, that's great. That's great though. Um, some more AJ this is the last AJ Brown stat because I thought this was really interesting because it came out right when I was right taking up my notes. 
uh, first is single coverage. He has a PFF grade, a pro football focus grade of 94.2. That's number one. He has uh, 18 receptions. That's also number one. And he has 334 yards, also first. So all three of those categories for uh, first is single coverage. He is the best in the league. That's nuts. Damn. But not he, not just him who had a very good game. Goddard finally came alive. They went to him immediately, that first drive. I forget the exact number uh, he had, but that first drive was essentially him. He capped it okay. off with a touchdown. Um, he went 8 for 9, 117 yards and a tutty. Uh, he looked really good. Um, the other one really odd man out was Devonta, and out. that's just because there's so many mouths to feed in this offense. Like, yeah, A.J. Brown's just on fire, so he's going to feed the hot hand. Um, and then Goddard, they got – uh, pretty much into the game plan early, and I think that was their plan. Um, so I expect more Devonte Smith, um, a lot going going forward. But just with the way the season's working, with the way the game plan is working, I think they just worked out that he's kind of that big fifty-fifty ball guy right now. AJ Brown's like the the rack yards guy, run after catch yards. Devonte Smith's like that amazing friggin' play, like fifty yards down where he mosses three people in the air. Yeah, Goddard's like that bruiser that you throw in the middle of the field and he'll just get you those yards. And then you got Swift, who is so frigging good, dude. He is so good. He is good. My only concern with him is he needs to stay a little bit. He needs to stay healthy because every single season he's been hurt. He's looking very good. And hopefully the Eagles training staff, um, strength conditioning staff can keep him healthy. Uh, I know Rashad Penny before the season even started said this is the healthiest he's ever been. And he, he credits the Eagles staff to it. Um, which three, three, four years ago, you would have never heard that. We actually wanted our medical staff to be gone. Um, big thing, though, is the offense in the red zone. They need to figure that out. They, they flat out do. Um, they settled for two field goals. Uh, Kelsey was extremely um, upset about it. He yeah, was actually pretty he was adamant. Pissed. Yeah, there was, a, there was a video. He was like, yeah, he was just, he, you know, emotions run high, um, especially like in a in a very – uh, detail intense like high energy sport like he was like you know it's just our red zone offense needs to be a little bit better and i i agree with them they mm-hmm. definitely left points on the board like realistically that game shouldn't have been close especially in the second half they should have scored at least 30 plus points and moved on with their day but um defense looks sloppy in the first half they had us in the first half not gonna lie uh cooper cup had majority of his stuff like in the first half but yeah the second credit. half, they only they didn't even score. No credit to Desai and and the the secondary, they figured out what they needed to get done. Um, Shout out to Hassan Reddick for having two sacks, Jalen Carter for two sacks, and then mm-hmm. uh, somebody else. No, just them two. Um, they had a a new new individual play too. Um, he was the cornerback, the slot cornerback that we signed this week is when he played uh, He played in the second half, and he was locked yeah. down. Like, he was very good. Yeah. And I think that was a big thing. They were able to let Bradbury get on the outside. Outside of the one Puka um, touchdown, which was just a great throw, great catch. Like, they all looked very good. Um, to go off of Hassan Reddick, too, he actually, according to this, he is the fifth most double-teamed edge, edge rusher in the league, and yet he's still making the – like, that's why he was a little, like um, – he was a little slow in the beginning of the season, but as you see, he's kind of starting to wake up because now they have yeah. to double team team Jalen Carter, who is the best <laughs> uh, PFF grade rookie right now. Damn, he's he looked he was he looked better than Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald still has it. He's still the best like the best D lineman in the league right now, and he looks better. He looks like the new Aaron Donald. And I'm that man mm-hmm. is is so exciting to me. Killing it, and then um, uh, Blankenship currently. And I think he had the most tackles. He had five more on top of that game. Solo tackles, too. Chalk talk, baby. Chalk talk. He's currently still leading in de- uh, for defense uh, with 23 total t- solo tackles. Slay mm-hmm. is right behind with 21. And then Morrow and Cunningham are tied for third with 19 each. Yep. So the defense is starting to click. Offense is starting to click. I like it, especially mm-hmm. with our next, next few games. This this week we have a little bit more leniency, um, to actually get. I think we definitely come out with the win on that one. But against Miami, we have to bring our A game. Um, but yeah, that's I'm, gonna be a uh, a good game though. 
Um, and just briefly with with some news and notes. Uh, no, don't and then, wait. We have the Jets next. Yeah, you said Miami. Miami's after them. That's what I mean. Oh, uh, okay. My when, my, yeah, with Miami coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Um, just some news and notes. Um, Javante Williams, the Broncos running back. This is definitely more fantasy related. Uh, he was full participant today, which is good because he was their guy. Uh, they had Jaleel McLaughlin who was coming out and just um, absolutely popping off every time he touched the ball. He's making a play. So curious to see how that backfield works out. Um, Austin Eckler told reporters that he's a 99% chance that he plays on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys. That's going to be a fun one. That's something I want to talk about in a little bit too. Um, James Conner. Uh, he they put him on injury reserve, um, so he'll miss the next four weeks um, or the next four games. Uh, the Rams actually traded Van Jefferson to the Falcons for a 2025 late round pick swap, so that's interesting. And then uh, the Vikings are planning on putting uh, Justin Jefferson on injury reserve, which is a huge loss for him, and yeah. a huge and a huge loss for football. He's the best wide receiver right now, and it's. It sucks to see him get hurt, especially in hammies that linger. So we'll have to continue monitoring that. And last but not least, rookie running back uh, Devon Achan is expected to miss multiple weeks uh, with a knee injury. Could be placed on the IR. Still waiting on that. Um, just a quick waiver wire pickups that I think uh, people should start looking into. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Um, Amari DeMarcado, he is the rookie running back for the Cardinals. Uh, he came in after um, James Conner got hurt. He went 10 for 45 and a tutty, so that's pretty good. Um, definitely look into him. Um, if you can, probably get either Roshan Johnson or uh, Deontay Foreman for the Chicago backfield because Khalil Herbert's a little hurt. Um, and then I would actually probably – look into either getting Joshua Josh Downs um from the Indianapolis Colts wide receiver. He's a rookie. He's starting to look really good going up with uh it do- doesn't matter if it's Anthony Richardson um or Gardner Minshew. Both him and Pittman look to be the number one two guys there and he's looking really good especially for a running back uh, a w- rookie wide receiver. Um those are just a few names I wanted to throw out there um uh, for your uh waiver wire pickups. Um Moving on to next week's uh, football matchup. So we got Thursday at 8.15. We got Denver versus Kansas City. I don't even want to get into this one too much. Kansas City um, just beats a dead horse. Okay, next question. Well, real quick, Kansas City, I think, is definitely going to win on this. Um, my only issue is that Kansas City looks has not looked good at all. True. Like outside of week two, they haven't really looked that great. So Very true. Maybe Denver comes in here and, and makes Denver it a Denver wins. Tighter. I'd be shocked. I don't. I definitely don't think Denver wins, but I think they're going to make it a little bit closer. Um, yeah. Oh my God, the spread, the spread oh. for this game is Kansas City minus ten and a half. I was going to say it has to be ten and ten and a half. Over unders forty eight. Money line Broncos plus four hundred. Kansas City Chiefs minus five thirty five. I actually. It, the, it's definitely not a trap game, but like plus ten and a half for the Broncos, if they somehow fuck this up. Like, I, I actually don't know. This is one of those games where I don't want to touch. Yeah. Either you I would are, say they're going to money line looks great, but no. the money line looks fantastic. But at the same time, eh. no, um, anytime touchdown scores, honestly. So Travis Kelsey's he's, he's um, questionable to play with his, his ankle injury. Um, if that's the case, if you can get in a little bit sooner before uh, he gets out, even if he goes out, um, their other back, their backup tight end. Actually, I don't even want to say backup. He's been playing pretty well. Excuse me. Uh, Noah Gray, even with Kelsey uh, in there, he's pretty much played 60% of the snaps um, in almost every single game. Um, so he's definitely a nice little touchdown. Uh, anytime touchdown score at plus 260, that's not bad. Either him or uh, Kadarius Tony started to get a little bit more playing time. He's starting to look like he's gonna, you know, start getting into that wide receiver one role. Um, but I think your best bet is Noah Gray at plus two sixty or Jaleel McLaughlin, who is at plus two hundred. Um, I think those are good values, so I would definitely look into them. 
Um, moving on to there's the London game, which is Baltimore versus Tennessee. Um, mm. That's another game I don't really want to touch. Um, the London games have been weird. If you're not Jacksonville, yeah. you're going to look like shit. It, it, that's yeah. just it. that's Jacksonville just how it's has go. experience. They I'll know bet. that. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just. I was just going to say they they've had like I think 12 London games, so they know yeah, what they know. Doing. They know. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to uh, say the Panthers and Dolphins though. I want to know how tour is going to run up because Panthers are 0 and 5 right now. So I'm actually curious too. I think this is where Panthers they def they don't they don't it's not a close game. But I think this is where you start to see a little bit more cohesion with the Panthers. Um yeah. Because Bryce Young, his O line can't block him. His wide receivers or his uh his skilled positions around him are not doing anything. But Miami has a susceptible defense. So we'll see if he kind of starts getting more in the rhythm. I still think Miami you know, yeah, I think Miami takes it. 40. Um, they're only they're only saving grace is the fact that uh, eight uh, Chan he's he's out, so yeah, use that most to really focus. But that team is so freaking fast. Um, yep, the Eagles go to the Jets. Um, I think that Zach Wilson has looked really good. Um, but I think that the D line just eats him up. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Really do. The only thing that I can see happening is I don't think Brees Hall has a game unless they do like some, uh, like some screens. The running back for the Jets, who he went twenty-two for one hundred and seventy-seven, mm-hmm. um, and he's a stud. But I think that the only way that they come close is if Zach Wilson does the the quick slants and stuff like that, uh, gets the ball out quickly so that the D line doesn't have enough time to get to him. Um, but Jalen Carter actually knows that with Matthew Stafford. So his whole thing was, I got to get there quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, I feel like, I feel like this is going to be a good one, especially if it's raining, they're, they're not going to be able to rely too much on passing the ball. So they're going to run. And it's, that's exactly what the Eagles defense is good at. Yeah. Um, and then that, that Sunday night game, it's New York giants versus Buffalo. I think the giants get absolutely smacked. Um, there, there's not really that many good, um matchups actually i i take that back monday dallas versus the chargers i think that that game is going to be extremely fun to watch um i think that's going to be what we thought the dallas versus the 49ers is going to be i think it's going to be two um uh, very offensive games uh, a lot of picks a lot of a lot of turnovers a lot of touchdowns deep passes all that stuff so <laughs> excuse me i think um Chargers getting healthy. I think they beat Dallas, and um, I think they they pull away with the win. So yeah, um, that's pretty much all I got. Bill, you got that's anything got. for the the listeners? No, nope. Not you guys. So please, please, please. Actually, I'll pull it up for all you audio listeners. Love you to death. Um, you guys are just gonna have to trust my word for this. But please, 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 if you guys can go follow us um, at AB Sports Media. Is right here. I'll pull up the profile just for you guys. Uh, at AB Sports Media, that's our Twitter. Um, there you go. You get to see it. it's all nice and, and pretty and blue. And we we tweet and we we would love for you guys to tweet at us and you know have fun. I do um, have something that we're gonna have to edit on our thing soon too. What's that? Our YouTube account. Oh, I, I made our YouTube crap. account over the weekend. Meaning I just signed in and that's all we really have to do. <laughs> so we registered a YouTube account finally. Yep. With uh, So when this goes live, hopefully we'll be able to get the recording and put it onto YouTube here. Mm-hmm. Unless, um, does our parent company do that, RSS, or no? Uh, it it can't, So you have to put it through YouTube and then you can put it through RSS. Oh, uh, you can link how, it that way? Yeah, all right, then we'll do that. That's how it works. So I'll have to manually uh, upload videos to Spotify. Right, and that's fine. Shit like that. But cool. um, also reach out to us uh, at uh, our email, billandajmedia at gmail.com. Yep. Once again, my name's AJ. And I'm Bill. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Adios. Bye. I wish I, I had a, a white handkerchief. Bye. If gambling has become a problem for you or for someone you know, please call 1-800-GAMBLER to seek free, confidential, 24-7 problem gambling assistance. You can also text SUPPORT to 533-42 to get more information about problem gambling behavior.